What's up, 9 a.m.? How you guys doing this morning? Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coastal. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, any ladies getting excited for this Friday night? She gathering. Listen, ladies, if, 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 you, if you don't have plans for Friday night, you didn't now. Because Friday night is going to be incredible. You're not going to want to miss it. If, if you don't have plans to be there, you better change those plans right now. Because I'm telling you, there is some crazy things going to happen on Friday night here at Coastal Community Church for She Gatherings. So I want to encourage you, come on out, invite some friends. Uh, it's going to be a great time. In fact, I, I heard that there's like BC Tacos food trucks afterwards for the after party. All, all kinds of stuff going on. So you're going to want to be a part of that. Uh, but today we're concluding our Insane in the Membrane series. Everybody enjoyed this series so far? Um, you know, this series has been uh, not what I originally intended for it, but that's okay. Sometimes God's got a different plan than you have. Uh, but we actually save the very best for last. Sometimes you got to save the best for last. Old school Vanessa Williams saved the best for last, and that's what we did. And uh, today we've got a, a guest with us that actually I met a couple months ago. I was at a conference that I, I spoke on on a Tuesday, and then he spoke on a Wednesday. And after this, this guy spoke, it was such an incredible message. The entire time he was speaking, I was like, he needs to come talk to my church. Like, he, our church needs this message. I need this message. And I think the body of Christ needs this message more than, than probably any message today because it's a, it's a subject matter that is not talked about virtually ever. And so I met Emmy Vasquez at that conference, and he pastors a great church outside of Boston called Excel Church. And so can we give a huge coastal welcome to my friend Emmy Vasquez. Appreciate that. How you guys doing, Coastal? 9 a.m. Y'all guys got some sleep, yelling, screaming at 9 o'clock in the morning. Y'all crazy. I love it. That's where we from. I just love a little cray-cray. We all need it. Yeah, yeah. If you ain't got no crazy in you, you lying. We all need it. We all need it. Uh, before I get started, uh, I want to show you a picture of my family. always like to give them some honor. Um, so obviously that's me on the adjacent side. That's my bride, Emily. Shout out to her. She's been there. My God, we've been together for about 22 years. But in that process, but in that process, some of you don't know my story. When I was about 17 years old, I got locked up and I was looking at 15 years. And in that process, who was ride or die? That girl right there, a little white girl right there. Emily did it for me. And then this is Ileana. She actually came pre-Christ, and she was a motivation for a lot of changes in my life. She's a University of Yukon, uh, Connecticut student, and she has a semester left. This is Evan, my road dog. I love you, my man. You're here. He's here with me today. And then little Ray Ray right there. And then once the kids got old enough where uh, they wasn't jumping in our bed anymore, and my wife is a hugger and a lover and a, a strong mom, she went and adopted a few more. So we ended up having uh, Preston. Is on the left-hand side. That's those are our Pomeranians there, and then little Lenny, who's brand new to the family, and these go, they just drop it everywhere like it's hot. You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> we picking it up everywhere. I had to. My my wife was at a conference recently for uh, I forgot where it was. All I know is I was home with these dogs, and every time I turned around, I'm, what's that? Oh my God, again! I'm like again. Needless to say, they're still alive. They have not died. 
So you guys are concluding this series on insane in the membrane. You guys been getting anything out of this series? I went back and watched all uh, the messages and uh, you know, you, uh, Shayla had that, the awesome message of it's okay to not be okay. And if you haven't heard that message, I want to challenge you to go back online and listen to it because it really, all those messages that were prerequisites to this one, they all tie in. Because I'm going to talk a little bit about shame. Your pastor wanted me to talk about shame and I want to talk about a little bit how we literally, if we don't deal with the shame in our lives, it can make you go a little insane in the membrane. It really can. And that's not what we want. We want to be sane. Yeah, we, we don't want to have all these diseases, if you will, running through our soul, running through our mind. We want to be at ease in our soul. We, we want to have some tranquility, and I believe it's possible to actually have that. And, and, and I'm honored and blessed to talk to you a little bit about this. And then your pastor uh, came in part two, and he talked about getting rid of the facade. And I told him, I said, oh, he went there. He had me on my seat. I was in my car listening. I'm like, no, he's not. Yes, he is. And yes, he did. He did. I think I might have heard you online, girl. You was, just, yeah, supporting him. And, um, and, then, and then I followed up with another story. You guys had a guest from Bayside, and, and I was just like, wow. And so I, I pray that this message is empowering. It's uplifting. I, I want you to understand this. Look at this message through a lens of love. Okay? Because when I talk about the mind and shame, shame has a tendency of making us feel heavy. And that was never God's design. His, his design was to have you feel free and to have you feel light. If your Christianity is heavy, it's not Christianity. We need to hit reset and start all over. Your Christianity should be a light experience. It should be a joyful, not, that's not to say that you won't have some challenges, you won't have no problems. Jesus promised it in this world, John chapter 16, uh, you're going to have some trouble. But nonetheless, the feeling that's associated with the walk of God should be a free one. It should be a liberating one. And so, uh, uh, in Jesus' name, if I do my job enough, you, you, you're going to feel some of that liberation. Uh, uh, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 23, uh, look at what your Bible says. It says this, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be made, per well, what's it say here? Be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, when the Lord Jesus comes back again, he wants you to be whole. He wants you to be together, but not just in one aspect of your life. You are one person, but you possess three parts. Unfortunately, nowadays, because we don't understand this, we have a tendency of over uh, uh, accentuating one part of us. So some people are all, are all body. But we forget that we are spiritual at the core, that I was made in God's image. And so God is a spirit. So therefore, I am a spirit. But I also have a soul, and this is where the insane and the membrane part is actually tied into. I don't know if you can see that light hit me, and so I'm doing a lot of spitting, and it's just going up in the air like confetti. Maybe it's just me that just see it. Uh, maybe, maybe I should have never said that. Now I'm dealing with my own shame right now. I should have never exposed it. Uh, but nonetheless, your soul is the part of you. It's a Greek word, psyche, where we get the word psychology from. And in your soul, your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your memories. There's a lot of things that are happening and popping off in this little area called your soul. And this is, ties into the name of the series, to be insane and the membrane, winning the war in your mind. Now, you may not want to admit it, but you're fighting every single day and it's not with the person next to you. It's in between your ears. And you got this constant war. And we won't share. If I could hotwire your brain and take a USB cord and stick it to this screen, everybody would walk out. Because of the amount of things that traffic across our mind. 
your mind is like a computer just downloading things. And unfortunately, sometimes you download viruses and you don't even know why is it not working? Where's this come from? I didn't intentionally hit that button. But sometimes every now and then things just sneak in. Whether it's Instagram that you allowed it to sneak in, uh, YouTube with television, media, friends, school, whatever. Every now and then things sneak in and you find yourself thinking about things that are really not the true you, but they still get in. But just because they got in doesn't mean they have to define the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it, we, we have the right to control our thought life. If you haven't been told, let me just come all the way from Boston, Massachusetts, and let this Puerto Rican just tell you, you have a right to control your thinking. Well, I can't control how I think. That's a lie. That's a misbelief that we have picked up. You have the power to control your thoughts, to say, hey, I was thinking about her, but I'm not married to her. She has to go in my head. Oh, can I be real here? Oh, yeah, we're about to set some people free today. I'm one of those people that even, see, I'm not your pastor. He is. So I get to blow in. Blow up and blow out. <laughs> and you ain't got to see me no more. I get to go home. They feel like, don't bring him back ever again. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, uh, we are three uh, parts, one person. And we have to understand this area of the soul. And the reason why I mention that is because in your soul is emotions. And in your emotions is this issue of not just love, but the opposite of it, which is shame. And so if we don't control and reduce the shame in our lives, we'll find ourselves running and running and running. And some people don't think that emotional health has a lot to do with spirituality. And I totally disagree. Jesus Christ wasn't a frozen Messiah. He was a free Messiah. You go back and look at the Garden of Gethsemane experience, he was transparent about how he felt in that experience. And he told his disciples, like he spoke up and said, yo, Emmy translation, my, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. The Amplified says he was depressed. Most people can't admit that, going back to your message, that not okay would be not okay for that moment. Just because you're not okay doesn't mean it has to define the rest of your life. But I think if you're going to overcome it, you got to acknowledge, yo, I'm not okay. And I'm going to cry for like the next hour and I'm going to get over it, eat some ice cream and we're going to move forward and I'm going to finish the rest of my day. But we got to be able to acknowledge when we're not OK, as opposed to living in your message, the facade, putting on a mask and acting like it's no, it's not. No, no. Look at the person. You say no, no, no. Stop living behind a mask and a facade. We don't want that. We want to be free. So if you're taking our notes, write this down. Emotional health. It's pretty long. And spiritual maturity are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. It's not possible. They go hand in hand. They are in sync with one another. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, um, you, I'm sorry, I know that was a pretty long note. I'm going to have them go to the next one. But in Genesis 2, 25, you have to go back and watch the video over. Uh, the Bible says this, now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This is before sin and evil crept in. That's when you see that in Genesis chapter 3 when the serpent comes in. But before that, God says, let me show you what my presence is like. Let me show you what it's like to be in paradise, to be in Eden, to be in my face. I'm going to define it not by calling it a place of love. I'm not going to define it by calling it a place of confidence. I'm not going to define it by calling it a place of no fear. I'm going to define it by saying you can be yourself totally naked, totally exposed, totally transparent. You don't have to hide behind anything, and it's a place of no shame. 
no indictment, that you can be the real you and be embraced for the real you. Like, I don't know about you. I'm getting excited just listening to myself right now. I'm about to go listen to this again myself. It's just exciting to just know, Father, I love that song. Like, I am who you say I am. I, I, I'm just what, not, not what my mama told me when I was 15, not what my dad did when he abandoned me, said you'll never, never be anything with your life, not, not what the streets told me, not what the system told me. You're a loser. You'll never make it. How many people know that it looks like I'm doing pretty good? with my life even though the streets indicted me the judge indicted me the reality is is that your life can change when you understand I am what he says I am not what you say I am and so I can be fully naked in front of the father and feel no shame that's what I want when you think of the word naked think transparent think vulnerable think 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 fully exposed but I can still be loved I get excited. I don't need your help for that. I'm just excited all by it. Just think about being exposed psychologically. That he knows what you were thinking last night, but he says, I still love you. Now, it doesn't excuse it. Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that we don't grow and we don't challenge ourselves to mature. But what I am saying is that he knows exactly your struggle and still has said in John 15, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I knew your past, and I knew what other people didn't know, and I know what you hide, and I know the confidential files of your life, and guess what? You didn't chose me. I chose you and appointed you. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So what is shame? Shame is experienced as being a painful feeling of being exposed and flawed as a human being. Doesn't sound wonderful, and it typically isn't, but it's just that feeling that says I feel exposed and I'm flawed. Shame is the fear of disconnection. It's the fear that something that we have done or something that we have failed to do, an ideal that we haven't lived up to, or a goal that we haven't accomplished, all of a sudden in our mind, it makes us feel like we're unworthy of connection. That te Pastor TJ, if you found out this about me, I think you would reject me. And so I'm going to run from you before I even take the risk to approach you because it's going on in me. It's not necessarily going on in you. What is shame? Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy. You don't know because if you found out, you would reject me. If I really told my wife she might leave, maybe she won't. Maybe the relationship and intimacy will go down to a deeper level if you take that risk to say, there's another part of me I want to show you. And maybe the person who has to hear that, whatever it may be, maybe their love level has to now grow up so that they can embrace all of you, not just what they think of you. Mm. Maybe taking down notes, let me drop this as well. Shame is about being seen, but wanting to hide. That's the, the, the best for me, just to be able to say, hey, uh, uh, shame is about being seen. I'm being looked at in this area, but I really want to run and hide. You don't know how I feel about that area of my life. And now that you got exposed to it, I feel like jumping off this cliff. I feel like crawling under a bed. I feel like running into a closet. And we have to deal with this so that we're stopped uh, living in these negative narratives, going insane in our membranes so that we can get redeemed, we can get healed, we can receive the love of the Father, understanding I am who he says I am, and I can walk in that and change the rest of my life. Uh, really quick, let me just drop this out there. There's a difference because sometimes well, somebody came to me and said, uh, uh, shouldn't we, don't we want to be shamed? Because isn't shame the thing that changes behavior? No. There's a difference between what I want to call shame and conviction. Some people might call it guilt, but, but shame has everything to do with your identity. Your conviction from the Holy Spirit has everything to do with your behavior. 
Shame and behavior or identity and behavior are different. Behavior can be changed. Your identity cannot. You don't want to make it the issue, your identity, because now you feel like you can never change if you think you are it, whatever it may be. So, for example, for example, uh, 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 I made a mistake. That's behavior. I am a mistake. That's the shame. But if you think you are the mistake, now you can never change because you made it one with your soul. No, we got to get away from that. I am who you say I am. You got to get away from whatever they say. So in other words, you're a mess. No, I made a mess, but I'm not a mess. The mess can be changed. But if I make it me, then I feel like I can never change. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, so in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse uh, 8 to 10, look at this. At that moment, their eyes were open, talking about Adam and Eve and how shame manifested. Their eyes were open, and then suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. That's what it's associated with, being exposed. Oh, my God, they found out. Okay, what are we going to do, run and hide, or are we going to stand strong and see whether or not they can receive this part of us? So they sewed the fig leaves together, and that's what we typically do, and we use it to cover ourselves. <gasps> They're going to see I can't let them see what's underneath. So you know what we do, especially in, in this culture, because we're so blessed and so rich, we cover it with labels and logos. I don't really want them to really know who I am. So if I put enough double G's on it, then you will be really see what's underneath. Yeah, over and over. I don't care what it is. We try to use something to cover because we're afraid of that exposure. And we got to get healed from that. Verse 8, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God. I don't want you to see God as just God. The Bible says God is love. He is the epitome of what love is. He doesn't have it. He gave love a job. Love wouldn't be around if it wasn't for God. God is love. And so they were running from love himself. Tell me that shame isn't painful. That when love is standing at in front of your door, wanting to look at you in the eye, you would run from love because of shame. That's why we got to push through the shame so we can receive the love because it's the love that heals the shame in our lives. Verse 9, then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Fear didn't come first. The first painful emotion that we experienced was shame. And out of that, it gave birth to fear. Typically, when you are afraid, it's surrounded by some level of shame. I'm ashamed to say sorry. I'm ashamed to, well, technically it would manifest in fear. I'm afraid to go there and say something. I'm afraid to talk to my son. I'm afraid to go in that room. We got to push through that so that relationships begin to connect. So look at what I call the human cycle of shame. The first stage is the awareness. I realize I'm naked. Just aware. I realize I'm weak. I realize I'm imperfect. I realize something's wrong. No one will accept me. Check this out. The person next to you thinks the same way. And the, the lie that comes not just from the enemy, the lie that comes from shame is you're the only person that thinks like that. And so because you feel isolated on this island all by yourself, no one knows about it, you struggle. And then privately, we do all everything in the world to medicate that feeling because we're trying to change how we feel. That's why at the core of all addictions is shame. The core of all the things that we hide from at the core, it's all shame. And we got to do our best to push through it. So the first stage is I realize I'm naked. Then the shame produces the fear. What did Adam say? I was afraid. And then the fear will make you what? Hide. And if you feel like you can't hide, it's either flight or fight. 
And so if people get real defensive, it's because they don't feel like running or they're not going to run and they'll do everything to keep fighting because no one wants to humble themselves to confess, I think I'm really afraid or ashamed of this particular subject. So we hide by what? By covering ourselves with anything that takes the focus off what we're ashamed about. And, and this, is, this is, believe me, I come from what they would call or classify as toxic shame. So we all have to deal with shame, but it gets reinforced through abuse. Look at what you did. I'm like, hold on a second. Here I am, I'm 10. What do you mean, look at what I did? This is what you just did to me. Now you're making it my fault? See that manipulation in there? And then you grow up thinking that I must be a bad person because he did that to me. That doesn't even make sense. But yet that's the manipulative nature of shame, that it will convince you you didn't just do wrong, you are wrong because of what someone else did. You see? And so, uh, so we cover ourselves. We can cover ourselves. I said this uh, last night. Uh, one of the ways that I covered my shame was I was ashamed of my dad. My dad is in Connecticut right now doing 30 years for attempt to murder. One of the biggest issues that I had to grow into now that I'm in my 40s uh, uh, that, that I had to grow into was owning my entire story. Like I can't, I didn't, I didn't create my story. My story was created already. I have to walk into the fact that that's my dad as opposed to denying that that's my dad. And so one of my stepfathers was African-American and I, I so wanted to be loved by someone that I went for 14 years telling people I was Puerto Rican and black. 14 years. I was reshaping a new story in my mind because I was so ashamed to say that's my father because of who he was. Eventually, I had to get to the place where I have to own all of me and say, you know what, Fred, I love you, but you're really not my dad. That's my dad, and I got to get used to what happened to him. It's just part of my story, and I got to be okay with it. Yeah, look at the person next to you and say, get used to your story. Yeah, just get used to it. Just get used to it. I don't care if you feel like you're too skinny, you get used to it. I, I don't care if you feel like you're too overweight, just, just hear, hear me out, hear me out. Get used to the idea that this is a part of my life, and I'm getting better with it. Somebody reached out to me recently, and we were talking about working out and exercising, and he was struggling with his weight, and at least in his mind. And believe me, what I was seeing, he wasn't even there. He wasn't what he saw himself as. And he said, he says, oh, man, I'm just chubby. And he says, how do you deal with that? I says, it starts with you embracing the chub. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to help people I hate. What do I mean by that? You will never be able to help you if you hate you. See, it's easy for me to help you if I love you. But if I hate you, I'm going to run from you. And we do that with our lives. There's parts of us we love and parts of us we hate. And you'll never be able to help the parts of yourself that you hate. you got to love all of you, even if it's at a dysfunctional part of your life, and say the starting point is this is all of me. Skinny me, take me. Chubby me, take me. Pimple me, take me. Bad makeup me, take me. Eyelash falling off my eye, take me. Boy, all, you understand? Somebody say, just take me. And that's why God says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. I chose you with all your dysfunction. I chose you with your dad knowing he was going to be locked up, that he was going to be a drug addict. I knew that you were going to come from crime. I knew that you were going to be raised in the South Bronx. You were going to be arrested. But I eventually stopped being ashamed, Emmy. I'm going to take that mess and turn Turn it into a message, and I'm going to get glory out of your life because you had nothing to do with this. I'm the one that changed what's, what's going on in your life. And then, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. This is the reason why we compare a lot. Comparison is a manifestation of shame because you're not content with where you are, and we look at the screen and say, I wish that was me. 
man, I wish I had that. And pastors do this all the time. Sometimes we act like we're the most confident people. Sometimes pastors are the most insecure people in the world. We start looking at pictures of how many people this guy had at his church and how many people this guy had at his church. And in reality, we leave, we want to go drink. Uh, I'm about to ruin your ideology on how you see pastors. We just as human, but we just got a call of God and we got pressure on us because we're trying to reach so many people and help so many people. And the reality is it starts with us owning our story and recognize what God is doing, what Pastor TJ in the coastal area in Florida and what Emmy is doing in Massachusetts at Excel Church. And it's not about comparison. It's about complimenting each other and saying, I need you. You need me. I'm not good at this. You're not good at this. And let's help each other out like Marines of what no man left behind. All right, let me move on back. I'm going to go straight to these three points. Number one, if you're taking our notes, how do we begin the process of dealing with this shame? Um, number one, when you're in your shame, I, I, this is going to sound so, so cliche, so Christianese. you got to get back to Jesus. Now, yo, sorry, my little inner child coming out from the hood. You, you really got to get back to the foundation because Jesus Christ is God's love expression on the earth. He is the one that adequately covers your life. That's why when you read your Bible, I challenge my church all the time. When you read your Bible, read it backwards. What do I mean by that? Start New Testament first. Devour that, then go back and read the old. Don't start by reading the old first because the work is already finished. Which means every, the way that God sees you is already done. Yeah, hey, you, when you read your Bible, you're not trying to get received. You already are. Amen. When you read your Bible from a finished work perspective, you're not trying to get loved. You already are. You're not trying to be holy. Uh-oh, this is where you ruin it with religion. You're not trying to be holy. You already are holy. And, that, and when you see yourself as being already holy, it changes how you live your life to become holy. When you see yourself as it, you become it. Should I go there? I got this dog. I I had to put the last dog down. That's why we bought Lenny. So I had this dog named Charity, bomb dog. He was trained by, it was a blind guiding dog. Turned on lights, got you, opened a refrigerator. Dog was the bomb. Uh, 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 One day, Charity's been trained to go outside. Pee and poop on command. Got to go now. That's the phrase. He would go now. Right there. Amazing. Uh, uh, so that, that took place. So one day I'm on a business meeting. I'm on a call with the computer, and I'm on, and the dog keeps coming. Get out of here, Charity. Get out of here. She eventually has to go out. I'm not responding to the need. She poops on the floor. We had these brand new carpets, white, cream. When everybody was coming in, I was saying, take off your feet, not your shoes. Take it all off. Don't walk on the carpet. And the reason why I put a lot of pressure on people to conform with their behavior is because I saw it clean. And so because I saw the carpet clean already, it made us take off our shoes to comply by the way we saw it. The moment Charity pooped on the clean carpet and then winter time came and people started coming in with snow and dirt, I just said, don't worry about it. Let everybody just track in with their shoes because it doesn't matter because it's already dirty. I changed the way I behaved with the carpet because I saw it as dirty. Dirty once Charity pooped on it. But when she didn't poop on it, I saw it already as clean and it made me comply to the cleanliness. But, but when I saw it as dirty, I didn't matter how many dirty feet tracked on it. That's a resemblance of your life. The reality is when you see yourself as already healed, already holy, already redeemed, you begin to live out of that reality as opposed to saying I'm no good and I'm trying to become something that I'm not. You will become how you see yourself. 
So get back to Jesus. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For those of you who have never given your life to the Lord Jesus, like personally, I don't mean churchism, I don't mean religion, I mean a real relationship with the Lord. This is how it starts with a decision in your heart. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Look at this. As the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will never, never be put to shame. God says, when you stand in Christ, you are standing in Mr. Mr. Sufficiency himself. You are so covered and so adequately received by me because he was perfect. You're not. Now you're standing in his perfection. I see you with no shame. Like already covered. That's why we talk a lot. If you're new to church, we talk a lot about being the, by the blood of Jesus, in the blood, covered by the blood. Because the Bible says in the blood there's life. When you are in Christ, you are covered with sufficiency. There is no lack in your life. You see lack. God sees complete. Anyways, number two, in this area of dealing with your shame, you got to start being more honest with yourself and with God and with God. But it, gotta, it has to start with us. It, it, you, we got to get over this hump where I try to change the culture at my church and just be honest. So we leave the doors. Your church is like this as well. This is a very life-giving church here. So if you're looking for a church home, X marks the spot. We found treasure, pirate, right here. This is where it's at. Life-giving approach, relationship with God is what you want. You don't want religion because there's so much shame when, oh, you broke a rule. But we all break the rule. So why are we talking about the fact that everybody's not always living 100 percent? We're not. That's not the goal. The goal is to live in Christ and then we become. Live in Christ and then we become. Not trying to keep 613 laws because how many people know if you had 613 things to do on your list every day, that's too much pressure. I'm going to run from that list every single day. Anyways, number two, so, so be honest with yourself. Just start there and say, I'm going to start being honest with myself. You don't have to tell the world. You don't have to go on Facebook and post all your life about how vulnerable it's going on. You don't want that. You don't want counsel from people you don't know nothing about. You know, you want to make sure you're getting godly counsel. Well, this is going on with my life. You don't want to do all that. That's just a cry for relationships in an inappropriate way. Join a small group. Join a connection group. Get connected with people you can trust, that you can trust you, and sometimes that takes time to develop. So please don't be one of those people that just says, I'm going to hang it out there on Instagram. No. Don't hurt yourself like that. Not everybody can handle your story, girlfriend. In Psalms 32, verses 3 to 5, look at what it says. David said this when he had messed up, and it provoked a lot of shame. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hands were heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged, then I acknowledged. In other words, I was honest with my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Uh, and so we want to get to that place where we are just honest with ourselves. And then number three, you must begin the process of being seen in the area of your shame. This is big, this is big for me. Can I tell you the truth? I'm on social media now, I wanna challenge you to follow me. I'm on social media now, just think about how old I sound. I just did it last week for the first time. You know why? I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna expose some of my shame. I struggle to be seen. But you're a pastor, you're a public figure. How does that work? I struggle to be seen. 
with my history, where I come from. I've been marked. They kind of hit me with a scarlet letter, if you will, for those of you who read The Pilgrim's Progress. I, and so in my mind, I've been telling myself this story that from my past that I got to keep hiding. And now I'm a public figure. And now there's a collision because I'm being forced to be seen. In some, now, you don't have to jump out there and go what we call ham. You don't have to go crazy and go extreme. For some of you, being seen might mean you're going to start counseling. For some of you, you're going you're gonna to finally, you've been going to that small group for three semesters, but you've just been a participant. You've been active community-wise. You've been engaged, but you really haven't been opening up. And so it might be now that time to say, you want to have a coffee privately so I can start sharing some things? Just one thing at a time. It might be one step where you have to put your foot out there and say, it's time to be seen. The way that God has designed this approach called the body of Christ is, number one, the church is the body. If the finger left, the finger would die. I don't care how lacerated the finger is, as long as the finger's connected, there's hope for it to live. So you might be hurt, and most people think in their shame, run. The body can live without the finger. The finger can't live without the body. So you want to make sure that you stay connected. Hiding from people is the normal response to shame. But it'll never, you'll never be able to see it until you can admit, dude, I avoid that place at all costs. I'm afraid. I want to challenge you. God loves you. Everyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And I love you. Thank you for recognizing that and having the awareness that it's time to start opening up in that specific area. And check this out. Let me say this. Well, Pastor Emmy, I took a risk and I opened up. And I felt like that person betrayed me. You know what that was? That was their inability to handle that aspect of your life. That's their shame. Has nothing to do with you. You just took the risk. And they couldn't handle it. It's time to find somebody who can. Not to keep running. People who can't open up and share their emotions, that's a shame-based issue. Well, I don't really want to tell people how I feel. I don't trust people. That terminology is birthed out of shame because you're afraid to get closer because you've been wounded before. Believe me, I'm not judging you. I understand. Let me give you this last verse in James chapter 5. This is what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We say this a lot. I heard, her, I heard pastor say it last night. Forgiveness will easily come from God, but according to Scripture, your healing begins when you open up with another person. That may take some time, but you have to take a step closer in that direction. I end by saying this. Shame is heavy. Love and grace makes you feel light. Shame and grace are the two counter forces in the human spirit. Shame depresses. Grace will lift you up. Shame is like a gravity, a psychic force that pulls us down. But love and grace is like levitation, a spiritual force that defies gravity. If your spiritual experience doesn't lighten your life, then you're not experiencing love and grace. And that comes through relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless these people. Thank you for giving us victory in our soul where we have, uh, where we are sane in our main membrane. And I just give you praise, Lord, for what you're doing with this body of believers. Begin a deep surgical healing work in our lives. We thank you because you already love us. You're not going to reject us. Help us to not reject ourselves when we fall into our shame, but to receive all of that love. In Jesus' name, amen.